Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is Episode 12, Courtney Goes to Washington, Act 2, Advocacy Equals Persistence, recorded March 12th and 13th, 2018, in Washington, D.C. One size fits all prudent kids all screaming about irrevocability. Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches, and fight our own way free. Cause the rules don't lie, but they don't apply to people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out. And the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives allowed are the only roads you can see. Just remember the walls were built to fall for people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Arts Advocacy Day is a two-day event in March. This year it was in March 2018, um, where we support uh, and advocate two Congress members for the NEA budget uh, at the start of the fiscal year 2019 budget process. There were a range of 600 to 700 delegates from across the country engaging all Congress members uh, in these wonderful conversations or discussions. Monday, March 12th, was day one. It was full of trainings, conversations, and a deep dive into finding out about the Congress members your team will meet the next day. As a team, you figure out what stories we can tell what data we can pull together to support those stories, to speak eloquently and efficiently with the Congress members and or their staff. This year, I was made team captain, which, you know, I was slightly reluctant of, and I was surprised by because it was only my second time attending. But after having an impactful weekend, I was energized to take on this role and work with this group to put together the best presentation we could. I tried to use the previous year as a model since we had already, we met, that uh, group, excuse me, uh, met with the members from the previous year. On our team were people that I had never worked with before. And so it was a good opportunity to learn more about the organizations they represented and the people themselves. Additionally, I was able to have many conversations with folks that I know and I'm making new connections with. We talked about everything under the sun that had to do with the arts, our jobs, our programs, um, you know, the conference itself and cookies. That's right. Cookies. And then March 13th was day two. We were on the hill. Before my team was to meet, I was on the main quad. There's something really awe-inspiring about being in the middle of the Capitol building uh, or being in the middle on that that lawn where the Capitol building is there, the Supreme Court, you're just surrounded in the Library of Congress. And on the lawn, 
I found the most profound installation piece. 7,000. 7,000 pairs of shoes laid out on the lawn to represent the 7,000 children and kids who had been killed from guns since the Sandy Hook shooting in 2012. It was a surprise and an incredibly heartbreaking to see that mass of shoes. And they were not in a pile, no. They were in rows, like graves. It was a demonstration to bring home the point that guns and gun violence are completely unnecessary and that it, it, sh- it something's got to change. It was a lot to take in. And what was more impactful or something that was interesting to think about was that 7,000 was the number. This was less than a month after Parkland, the shooting in Parkland school. And we know that this number continues to rise. It's not right. Here was a moment where uh, I decided to take a video, which I posted on the Facebook page for Teaching Artistry. And um, in it, if you if you go back, if you haven't seen it, you can see me sort of trying to hold back um, tears um, and trying to be strong. But it was it was hard. It was hard to see that. It was hard to think about, you know, what, what do politicians choose to hear and who do they choose to listen to? Um, and when it comes to the arts, luckily they're hearing us and, um, despite the budget proposal, uh, from the white house, to slash the budget, um, no, they the the Congress passed a budget of one hundred and fifty five million dollars, but it made me think, as somebody who was there to advocate specifically for the arts, looking at this very intense display that, in and of itself, was a piece of art, but had a a, a, a profound and deep meaning. Um. I just hope that there's resonance. It was like a ripple. In this episode, or this act, I speak with Stephen Butler, who is of Central New York Arts, and he was the New York captain. And um, also, I know him pretty well from... Um, the fact that we were on the board of the Association of Teaching Artists together for a couple of years. I also speak with Drew Mammoth of National Guild for Art, Community Arts Education and Carolyn Moore of the Diller Quayle School of Music. She, they were both on my team. And so we spoke after our, we had our two meetings with the Congress members, Congressman uh, Jerry Nadler and Carolyn Maloney. Here is episode 12, Courtney Goes to Washington, Act 2, Advocacy Equals Persistence. Persistence. 
Hi, Stephen. Hello, Courtney. How are you? I'm I'm good. I you know it was an amazingly jam-packed day, full of information and seeing old friends and meeting new people. Yeah. Can you um, share what your role has been here at the Arts Advocacy Day event? Yes. Uh, Americans for the Arts uh, called not actually all that long ago and asked if. Uh, CMY Arts and myself particularly would be the New York State Arts Captain for Arts Advocacy Day. Um, they didn't really get too much into what that entailed. <laughs> no details? <laughs> no details. Um, and how many, time, how many years have you been coming to this event? Well, this is a funny story because oh. they have me listed that I've been here seven times. Uh-huh. And truthfully, that's probably true. But there's an incredibly long break. But I was here in the early days when the National Endowment for the Arts was under threat from Senator Jesse Helms to be dismantled, oh. um, you know, in 1993. Mm-hmm. And here we are in 2018, and everything has come full circle, where once again there's a threat of dismantlement mm-hmm. or the agency being Did, dismantled. Uh, just doing that comparison, so was that 15 years, 15 years? Yeah. Oh, yes, just so, 15 years ago. 25, oh, no. 1993, 2003, yeah. 25 years. 25 years, wow. Yes. All right, well, that's what they say, you know, cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, did you feel, like, what, what, how would you describe the energy, um, you know, in comparison from 1993 when uh, there was this threat to 2018? Well, it's, that's a very good question because it's important uh, to think about this in the perspect, through the perspective of history. Mm-hmm. In 1993, there was a lot of anger because people really saw the dismantling of the NEA, uh, the National Endowment for the Arts, as censorship. There were representatives in government that didn't like some of the more challenging art that was being created with government dollars. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they took the case to the public that art should not be funded by government, especially if it was going to be offensive, um, challenging art. Mm. And it wasn't really until the arts groups began working with like organizations um, that advocated for freedom of expression and were very involved in uh, politics, the American way, I believe, is one such organization, Mm -hmm. that they really began to understand that this was a censorship issue. And once um, the arts groups, culture groups, heritage groups, all came around to that point of view, that got a lot of traction with the public. Mm Now, in the intervening 25 years, you know, it sort of became a standoff because funding hasn't really gone up that much Mm -hmm. in those years. So they didn't quite kill the agencies, but there has been a certain amount of starving, what they call starving the beast, Mm -hmm. to make these agencies less effective. Mm -hmm. So today, everyone is sort of used to these threats, although this is a new threat, and I believe that underneath the rationale of, oh, you know, with the deficit and with tax cuts and all the other things we're trying to do, we're going to do away with this agency, is really an authoritarian move Mm -hmm. about silencing people who might ferment challenging thought Mm -hmm. around policies um, that 
the, the majority of the gen, of the public in the United States would not approve of, mm. that it really is still a censorship issue. But I was struck by the calmness of it, and we've added a lot into the equation. We're better with data, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of about the economic drivers and the jobs and, mm -hmm. you know, and then we go back to the education. And of course, these are stars that we've hitched our wagon to over the decades of like, oh, it's about educating our youth. Oh, it's about we're in a recession. It's about the jobs. It really is art for art's sake because of what art does mm. for us. We're wired yeah. to respond to color, sound, mm. movement, dance. All, we're wired to respond to these mm. things. But those other issues are important as well. But I think it's a, it is about translating all of that, right? So it's about who are, who are we advocating towards, who we're we talking to, and what do they find compelling to be able to make an argument to their uh, Congress members, their colleagues, right, in order to make that is correct. choices. So uh, while I agree with you, and I, I, uh, last year it felt, uh, last year was my first year, um, and there was a buzz and a... Um, a lot of, you know, the anger wasn't quite um, palpable as, as maybe I had seen over the course of the year, but at that time, everything was sort of unknown. There was a lot of unknowns. Right, yeah, um, And the, the, the churn of um, uh, the swell of energy that was coming from the White House and the, um, the sort of rhetoric that was coming through the reality was, you know, yeah, things are really tumultuous. However, here are some things that are actually okay. And here, let's help you understand what this budget process was. So for me, at least last year, it felt like um, I was in good hands, even though I felt like, ooh, what's happening? <laughs> what's happening? And every, a lot of people felt that way. Um, but our charge was sort of very clear. We're, you know, we're looking for, not for the, uh, for the, the budget to not actually be completely eliminated, or at that, at that point, I think it was just slashed um, pretty severely, but not eliminated, but actually ask for more and give the compelling, you know, what's your story and, and match that with the data that is important and compelling to that particular member and be truthful, right? And so all of those tenants were very useful to me and tools as somebody who hasn't really um, done this kind of work before to latch on to. Um, so that's really interesting for me to hear that uh, history too. How, how wonderful. Um, and so, so is this the first time you've been the state captain? This is the first time I've been the state captain and it's the first time I've been here in probably well over a decade. Right. And, and, and so I didn't ask you before, but what kind of work do you do in your, in your real life? <laughs> uh, in my, in my other life, mm -hmm. uh, I run a regional arts council. Mm -hmm. Um, in New York State, and it's we serve six counties. It's about 5,500 square miles, and our core mission is to secure as much funding as possible, um, mostly through uh, what they call NGO, non-government organization mm -hmm. opportunities with government. So we are looking for government dollars from the feds, state, and local level, and redistributing that scary word, <laughs> redistributing those dollars locally mm -hmm. to ensure local decision-making about the art that takes place, that the art is affordable, if not free, mm -hmm. and ac accessible, not only in terms of cost, but in terms of location with people with transportation issues. Ah. That's really our core mission. Mm -hmm. That's a great mission. And, and 
I mean, I, I went to school at SUNY Cortland, so oh. I have a, a fairly good sense of life in, in central New York um, and Ithaca, Cortland, Syracuse, that sort of region. Mm-hmm. Um, though I went to school a while, a while ago, and I, um, I'm just curious how, you know, how, how does the NEA funding um, affect your organization? Well, we've been receiving NEA funding for several years now. Uh, for a marketing project that we do. And we, um, when we were uh, given an award by the state that actually probably doubled the size of our territory and added in all these new counties, we did a huge regional assessment. Um, We did one with the general public who said, you know, we're actually really interested in arts and culture. Um, We don't know a lot about it, and it's your job to tell us about Mm -hmm. it. So then we went to the arts, culture, and heritage groups and said, 7,000 general public responses, which is a lot for a a survey, Mm -hmm. said they're interested, but they don't know a lot. And what we found out is that a third of our constituents um, not only don't have marketing dollars, marketing staff, Mm -hmm. they are relying on word of mouth, Mm -hmm. free calendars, and volunteers Mm -hmm. to basically sell their product. So we took on this marketing project, which the NEA has supported, Mm -hmm. and it's become this sort of juggernaut in the region of a calendar blog. We call it a collaborative marketing information system. Mm. It's got over 900 arts, culture, heritage groups and individual artists who are registered in the directory, and they are constantly putting their stuff onto this calendar that covers 5,500 square miles and more because we work with other counties as well and um, and let them use the calendar because why, why not? Why not? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, from its soft opening, like in 2013, I think this year we had about over 200,000 pages viewed, 90,000 users, about a 35% return rate, which is good. You want people coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's click-throughs, and, mm-hmm. and then there are also, you know, people are now using the blog to advertise auditions and product and all kinds of things. So um, the NEA supported that. And so that is creating access for the general public. It's creating... Uh, capacity and market share for the arts, culture, and heritage groups. Um, And when you look at a heat map, it's not just our region, Mm -hmm. but you see like big bubbles in Long Island and New York. And so people are planning trips. They're looking at it to see what's going on and what they might see. Oh, if they come up for the summer or for during ski uh, season, right? And if you expand that heat map or the bubble maps, however Mm -hmm. they call them, you find out that people actually from many different states actually have spent a little time or more than a little time mm. on this system. So the NEA has had a huge impact on our, mm. our region. And, and, and you know, taking it back to what you know, p- perhaps a, a local um, council member might be interested in is, is the economics. What kind of economic um, dollars are being driven or brought into my district based on the people who are looking for a cultural experience while right. they're visiting or if, if the cultural experience could potentially be the reason why they're visiting too, right? Absolutely, and of course, the big thing is new money. Everybody mm-hmm. wants new money. Mm-hmm. So um, we've done, and part of, part of our research showed that the people, even in the region, are willing to travel 100 miles each way if there's an arts 
that's what happens when you live upstate and the, and the distances mm -hmm. are far. Yes. Um, 100 miles each way to attend an arts or cultural event that's exciting to them. And I remember thinking, as somebody who's from Long Island um, and went to school uh, in, in Coraline, what, you know, it's farms and it's very rural. Right, right. Um, so that idea of having to drive distances, far distances, in order to get to a grocery store or to get to entertainment. I used to work at Blockbuster that opened in Cortland after Smith Corona had, had um, left. Mm -hmm. uh, Kodak had just left. Uh, where's Kodak in, in um, Rochester, is that right? Uh, Kodak was in Rochester, yeah. Xerox was in Rochester. Mm -hmm. Smith and Smith Corona was in Cortland. Cortland. And, um, uh, you know, it was a, the median um, salary uh, in 1994, I think, or 95 was somewhere around, like, it was really low. I think it was, I don't want to guess because I, I know I did the demographics, I can't remember. But it was it was low enough for me to be like, what? As at, you know, 1920. And, um, uh I had also worked at, so I worked at a Blockbuster and we would have um, members who would literally drive miles, like 75 miles to come and rent videos. Right. And that sort of just blew my mind as yes. somebody who lives in a pretty concentrated place. Two things about that. <laughs> Probably if you looked at the median income today, you would not see that much of a shift. Oh. That's number one. Mm. And number two, you make an important point because, you know, Blockbuster, people might not really think of that as art, but film is art mm -hmm. and it's entertaining. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that one, one thing I didn't hear today that we don't talk about much because mm -hmm. we talk about you know, our training and our discipline, but you know, the arts are joyful and they're entertaining. Mm -hmm. They don't all have to be cathartic moments Agreed. You know, mm -hmm. or elevating us or educating us. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the art, the art is to entertain. And people need that. They need these joyful, playful experiences in their life. I, I just saw a mem, who knows if it's true. Children laugh about 400 times in a day, and adults, or a week maybe, adults laugh about 15 times. Oh no. Oh no, no. So. Oh no, you know, we need to change that. We need to change that. That's. Right. That's that makes right. me incredibly sad. <laughs> um, I like to laugh a lot. Um, so, okay, so to wrap up our time, thank you for it. Um, uh, I'm just curious about, uh, you, we don't have to go too deep into it, but I'm just curious, how were the arts present in your life as you were growing up? Okay, uh, the arts um, have been a part of my life since, since forever. My mother was um, an artist. Um, and so from the time I was a very small child, I was drawing and painting and in chorus and performing in shows um, and writing. And um, I wasn't very good at other aspects of school. I started when I was a little bit younger than I was. I started when I was four, not five. Mm. They thought I could read. It turned out I was, ma I was, I was making it up was part Your of my my creative I could I, I could look that. at the pictures and hear, heard what people said and looked at a few words and said and then they finally said he's not really reading that he's making it up but anyway I started school but the arts were something that I um, that that kept me in school mm -hmm. and provided this kind of container for this wild and crazy energy and really gave it focus and got me through all the way through high school 
and then into college, mm -hmm. um, where I, I studied theater and moved to New York to be an actor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of my story too, very similar where I, you know, excelled at certain things and if, I, if it was too hard, I didn't really try too hard, but anything that was about performing, singing, acting, I would go all the way and it, even all if I didn't way. understand, you know, what, what, what like building a character and character study was at, you know, four or five, six, I, if I had a part, I would, you know, study that line, think about different ways I could say that line, yes. um, all yeah. that. And it's so that, yeah. And so I think, you know, part of what we're doing here and you know, how many is it? 650, 550, how many people are here? I think they said, uh, it's a 600, over 600. Over 600. Yeah. yeah. So uh, 600 people, like we all have that origin story about how the arts affected us mm -hmm. in some way. And, that has sort of propelled us into where what we're doing uh, as part of a chosen career yeah and that we're really just trying to make sure that people who have the power to say this agency over this agency gets the the budget that it deserves or at least as much as it possible um, understand what those what that means and and that the like you said about you know, back in 1993, we didn't, we didn't necessarily have the data or weren't utilizing the data in the same ways that we are leveraging it now. And right. so being able to put those two things together, um, one, for me, I think makes me a better storyteller, frankly, and, and not only a storyteller, but actually more deeply understand why, why we are doing this work and how important this work yes. is and how to convey that to somebody who may or may not have um, yes. the same kinds of experiences as we do. Uh, yes, for all those reasons, all of the data points are very, you know, they help to flesh out our story and make them more compelling to these people that need to be convinced mm -hmm. about to allocate us our tax dollars for something that we believe in, yeah. as opposed to things we might not believe yeah. in that we're never given the choice. No, we're not really, are we? But I think it's important, and I, I hate to end on a, you know, for my, my last comments, but the fact that it was in the budget last year and there was this uncertainty and yeah. this buzz, mm -hmm. and now it's not in the budget again this year, the executive budget. Mm -hmm. And people are a little bit more, I don't want to say blasé, but they're a little calmer. Yeah. And I've seen at the state level mm -hmm. where that happens year after year after year, mm -hmm. and then one year, bam, mm -hmm. the state agency's gone. Right. And that is really what compelled me this year when they mm -hmm. called to say, this year I'm going because even more so than last year, the fact after being rebuffed by Congress that they put it back into the budget mm -hmm. for 2019 is their request. I really think I have to get back down there as I used to do when it was Senator Jesse Helms and uh, they were first trying to dismantle the National Endowment. No, I don't think that's a downer. I think that's actually, that's a call to action what yes. that is it's a it's a call that we even if you're not specifically here in dc and that we all have an obligation to be able to stay diligent be persistent and tell our stories and get um uh, in all the ways that you reach you can reach out to any of your congress people at any given time and give the same kinds of information it's all accessible on americans for the arts That's all right. of it right so it, i don't think it's a downer i think it's actually oh, great oh, okay. and thank you for making that point well, you're welcome, and <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for uh, talking to me. This is really know. great. Th thank you for talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I can't wait to see you tomorrow at Capitol Hill. See how it goes. All right. Okay. Thanks. So, hello, hello. Um, can you guys um, each say your name and where you work? Um, I'm Caroline Moore, and I'm from the Diller Quayle School of Music in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. 
I'm Drew Malmuth, and I work at the National Guild for Community Arts Education. Excellent, and um, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Um, I'm just curious, I know that this is your, both of your first, first time, right, uh, being at the Arts Advocacy Day, and we just had a meeting with um, Melissa, who is a legislative aide for um, Representative Jerry Nadler for District 10. Um, I'm, I, first, let's talk about why you chose to come to this uh, uh, event for the last two days. Sure. So um, I've been in, with the National Guild for three years at this point. Um, this is my first Arts Advocacy Day, as you said. Um, and the National Guild is a service organization, national service organization for arts education. Um, and our mission is to maximize the creative potential of all communities uh, by developing leaders, strengthening organizations, and advocating for community arts education. So in our mission language is the word advocacy. Um, so I think it's really vital uh, for us to be a part of these conversations, for us to be learning from others who do this work on a day-to-day basis. Um, I think we have a lot of room to grow in terms of our ability to advocate effectively for the field, um, in terms of the way we frame the issues, who we're speaking to, the connections that we have. Um, so I think it's really vital that we're here representing our 400 strong members, um, telling their stories, um, and making sure that uh, as the National Guild, we uh, have a seat at the, at the national table um, in terms of talking about advocacy. Yeah, and we're, you know, we're one of the organizations who's a member of the National Guild that Andrew was just talking about. And, um, you know, we've, we've been creating community music with, with classes and programs for many, many, many years in Manhattan. And we realized that part of that is making sure that we can continue to create equitable programs for for people of all circumstances and backgrounds regardless of their ability to pay for those programs and we really um, as a community organization want to become as involved as we can be with maintaining levels of funding that we have and advocating for for um, music for everybody arts for everybody that's really our mission music for everyone music for a lifetime and um, so I came as a learning experience also. It was my first time here and just wanted to come and learn more about this process and how to become more involved. And it's been really interesting and informative and exciting. And yeah, no, I'm so glad to be here. Things. So I, I'm curious because last year was my first year and I um, basically rambled on and on in my little <laughs> diaries about like all the information that I was you know, receiving and what I was learning and, and sort of the mock pace of, of day one and then being on, on Capitol Hill and having these conversations. Um, it, it was very exhilarating mm-hmm. last year. And I, I'm just curious, um, as first-timers, because <laughs> I'm a vet, no. Um, <laughs> but as first-timers, what were some things that you learned that you felt like, oh, I, I really didn't know that um, that was a thing? I really didn't know how a meeting with a representative or the staffer from a representative actually functions or what that looks like or how it, so even seeing yesterday they did like a, a mock presentation of what a meeting looks like and that to me was really eye-opening just to see okay you get about this much time to talk this is the kinds of things people do uh, and so it really started me thinking about okay maybe I'll say this maybe I'll say that but to actually be in it like we were just in it just now it is a little it is a little stunning to think like, oh, this is happening. I'm really, I'm really talking to this person that really uh, has some power over, over how things may go. And it is exhilarating, as you said, but um, 
it does make you second guess yourself. Like, did I say what I wanted to say? And mm-hmm. you did sounded I? Wonderful. Well, of course I sounded wonderful. <laughs> I mean, obviously, obviously yes. that's not what we're saying. No. But <laughs> but did you get all the points out? That you, uh, you know, it's hard to, to say. You yeah. know, think, you know, it's, it's, you it happens it fast. You know, it, mm-hmm. it happens fast, and you want to be succinct. You don't want to waste anyone's time. Mm. Um, but you realize this, it could be an important moment. You could say something that really might be. Uh, really might resonate with that person and might become part of the national story and that's it feels yeah 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 I would echo that um and also just I think I thought about advocacy um in the abstract um in, in certain ways and something about being here has made me think about it a little bit differently specifically just the what it looks like day to day um how much it is about just knowing the specifics of each, each issue, spending time on the Hill, building relationships. You so often think about advocacy and it's so important to think about it as um, you know, being out in the street, uh, having, a, having a voice, a public voice, right. but the kind of day-to-day grind of just being present mm-hmm. and knowing your information and speaking to as many people as you mm-hmm. possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, we heard from Lonnie Bunch last night. Um, about his talk. work, you know, just so cool. getting the, the Smithsonian um, Museum for African American History built. And that was all, I mean, his role was basically all advocacy, and it was amazing to hear all the different strategies he came up with, mm-hmm. all of the time that he invested in just being present and, and forming relationships. And it was really, that to me is, I don't know, I was struck by that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think, yeah, let's take it back a little bit. Just, so what, can you just mark out for us what the, what the, the makeup of the day was yesterday? Mm-hmm. Sure. So um, I joined the, there was an orientation uh, punishingly early, <laughs> uh, 8, 8.30, something along those lines, but it was um, busy to get your bearings in terms of um, what today, the actual advocacy day was going to look like, what the important issues are. Um, as Caroline said, they did a kind of mock meeting. Uh, they reiterated, you know, we all have books that give us all these facts and figures, but I think they wanted to highlight and reinforce the ones that are going to be really important when you have these conversations. Um, and then uh, we went into breakout um, groups that kind of dive deeper into some of the issues um, that we're going to be talking about today. Um, and then, yeah, then we all got on buses and went to the Kennedy Center and um, got pumped up and inspired by Lonnie Bunch and, and Dick Parsons, who um, who do this work in a really uh, unique way. So, yeah, that was what my day was like. Mm-hmm. Did you go about the same yeah, thing? Yeah, absolutely. I did else? the same thing. I did get a bagel and a coffee first before the yeah, first 8.30. Yeah, I, I didn't cause... mention all my food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. You have to, <laughs> you have to stay nourished. You yeah, have to get ready. Yeah, yeah I got super caffeinated, mm-hmm. uh, per mm-hmm. usual, and then... Uh, but I, I really loved the workshops in the morning, which was where they were going through each of these major issues that we're, that we're all interested in as, as arts educators and as arts advocates. We're all interested in the National Endowment for the Arts. We're all interested in funding professional development. Mm-hmm. We're all listing, interested in the tax structure. Um, but they really broke it down in usable language, which I thought was helpful. When you see a chart and you see data and you see numbers, um, unless you're used to talking about these things, uh, it's hard to envision, you know, how you would say it. So I really enjoyed hearing them just describe these things in, in more layperson's language and talk about how they're best represented when, we're, when we go into the meetings and um, how to really tell your own personal story and how that relates to the data and the numbers. Um, so I was enraptured. I thought it was yeah. awesome day awesome. yesterday. Yeah. Shout out to the Broccoli Rob they serve for lunch I was yeah broccoli rob was off the chart I was surprised so the bro- broccoli rob was the 
unwitting star. It took the day. It took I, mean, the I don't, day. I don't, I don't want to have to say wow. that. I mean, the spreads were a top notch. They were. They were. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I feel, well, yeah. <laughs> you and I were talking about catering and how, oh, yeah. how very important it is in a, in when you're uh, organizing conferences right. and sessions. And oh, sure. That catering is a, is a key component. Well, it's also the, the first <laughs> small, t- you know, it's a good icebreaker when mm-hmm. you're you know, just talking to someone like, oh. Mm-hmm. Great cookies. Yeah, <laughs> that can that can kick off a relationship. Really can bond yeah. people. That's true. It's really true. That's true. And That's when true. people are disgruntled about food, they can be disgruntled about a lot of things. And you don't forget those things. things. Yeah. You don't and forget those true. things. It's very true. It's much harder to talk about funding inequity when you're when you haven't had a When you're hangry. <laughs> It is true. Um, so, so I, I did not go to the Kennedy Center yesterday, and the reason why is because I was tired, and I also was like, I ended up talking to somebody else, and I missed the bus, and then I thought, okay, well, as team captain, I will, I will do my due diligence and make this whole thing up uh, and send the information that we had um, discussed. So, um, I missed that, but. Sunday, actually, I spent a great deal of time not only at the Kennedy Center uh, because I was there for the Turnaround Arts Showcase, which was unbelievable. Um, These kids from all, all representing each state or and many of the schools within those states that um, Turnaround Arts had their program reaches uh, and engages with and it was just unbelievable you guys I mean literally from like the minute a kid walked on stage to the minute that they left stage I was just like, like <laughs> wiping tears that, huh? sitting next to Courtney oh was... yeah so Andrew, <laughs> Andrew and I were together on of... that I was literally and I like at one point turned to the woman next to me who I did not know and I saw her crying and I was like I know right <laughs> and she's like I know it's... This is beautiful. It's like this is why I'm here. This is, what it's um, all about. This is exactly yeah. what it's all about. And then previous, prior to that, I was at the um, the Smithsonian um, yeah. National Museum for National Museum for African American History and Culture. And so I didn't necessarily hear uh, um, them speak about it, but I, I saw firsthand what the work that they had put into and yeah. how it manifested. Yeah. It is a tremendous museum, yeah. and I um, one I highly recommend it. Two. Um, you know, be be ready to um, go about fifteen more times because yeah. you can't. Yeah, yeah. Sure. You can't conquer it in one day. There's no way. Um, and two, it's really what I love about it is how it is. It's American history told through the lens of the African American experience, mm-hmm. right. which is not something that we get on right. a regular basis. And yeah. and it, it didn't. While it didn't feel, from my perspective, it didn't feel biased. It felt truthful. Mm-hmm. But it also was very jarring in certain places, and it was very, uh, it, it, like, highly informative. Yeah. And the thing that I learned from talking to Alex Arian yesterday, um, who had just come back from it, so we had drinks last night, oh, nice. um, and he refused to be on this because he, we had drinks. Um, sure. But he was saying that, like, 80 or so percent of the uh, artifacts were found yeah. in people's That's what houses. they said last night. Yeah. It was personal stuff. That they was literally they went out of the country. Amazing. He yeah. said Antiques Roadshow and asking and people saying people writing to them and saying, I've got my grandmother's shawl from, you know, whatever year yes. and and that's where most of that stuff came from. It was amazing. It was really that that's when I was leaving, that was the thing that really struck me. Uh-huh. And he shared a story about one woman who said she would give him all the pictures she had, everything, but the one thing she wouldn't give him was a membership card, uh, her grandfather's membership card. Uh, for the NAACP mm-hmm. from 1913. Uh, she didn't want to let that go. Of and he course. said it was just like, yeah. that moment was really striking for him. So it was really, I mean, it was a story about a lot of different things, advocacy, yeah. also community engagement. I mean, yes. they spent a lot of time in communities speaking to people, talking about their experience mm-hmm. and learning from them and, and, and gathering artifacts. So it was a pretty um, 
it, it touched on a lot of different areas. Yeah. Nice. But I think that I think that, that that's sort of what I'm trying to do with this podcast is is um, for people who aren't able to be here understand what this is so that maybe they make a decision that it, you know next time I will go mm-hmm. or just to be able to understand that even if you aren't here there are different ways that you can reach out and speak out mm-hmm. I mean that so many different kinds of people are here UNICEF yeah. is here yes. and I saw somebody talking for charter schools which is you know um uh, <laughs> which is fine it's good education um and, and us uh, focusing on the arts and you've got people outside you know, advocating and, and really demonstrating um, and lobbying for uh, gun reform. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these issues. The thing that I don't think I, I often understood was, and I, I feel like it started peaking for me when I came last year to this event, um, was how much of a voice we actually have yeah. when people say, oh, well, they're just going to do what they want to do. It's because we're not telling them right. what we want them to do, right? Maybe right. that right. could be it. So the more we're telling our representatives no, no, this is what you sh- this is what I want. The more, you know, vocal we are, the more they have to listen and the yes. more they actually have to take a stand. My right? major takeaway from this, mm. too, is this This has been easier than I thought it would mm. be. Mm-hmm. Like, in terms of um, feeling like you can express yourself, feeling welcomed by the offices of the place where we've gone so far, and feeling like uh, people want to hear what you have to say. They want to hear your story. Uh, I'm not having to, like stretch beyond you know my ability to express our story as an, as an organization and it's just been uh, I think easier maybe isn't the right word but, but I, think it, I was building up in my head mm-hmm. that this was going to be this insurmountable task and now I feel like oh I can do this like this is this is something that's attainable to get in touch with your representative and actually get active in this way and, um, yeah. and speak up I think the trick and I think what makes this work so hard is that I think over time it could it grinds you down a little bit. You have all these uh-huh. meetings and maybe mm. it doesn't amount to much or, you know, you keep talking to people and they keep, you know, sort of smiling and shaking your hand, mm. but then you don't, you don't necessarily see the results. Mm. Um, and I think, for me at least, I don't know, it, 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 maybe it's just the being here is reminding me that you can find the little wins or the little moments that, that uh-huh. feel like they're, pro- they're progress. Mm. Um, and maybe for someone who's doing this on a more day-to-day basis, that can be a way to just feel fulfilled by it um, in an ongoing way because it is such a long um, such a long process to accomplish anything of value Absolutely. I think, in the political yeah. world that was so. the big takeaway for me from the lecture last night yeah. and also just from this whole experience this is all about relationships mm-hmm. and persistence mm-hmm. and the combination of those two right. things commitment. and com- uh, commitment to that and yeah. just um, but that's how they that's how they created that museum is relationships and persistence mm-hmm. and that's what this is about and they were saying that you know your representative wants to hear something 10 15 20 times and that's how and that's what it takes sometimes for until something can make a change and so we we gotta just keep showing up we gotta keep keep saying something exactly keep writing letters keep doing things Mm -hmm. and you know and there's a lots of different ways to do that i was talking about how today this morning i said to uh, an email to our minority leader, uh, or the, sorry, the Democratic minority leader, um, uh, about uh, Frank Dodd. Mm. I don't know anything, but I know that you know there's already enough of an equity gap in that. You know, whatever regulations they strip, it, it means that the customers will be yeah. who are everyday Americans who just are struggling already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are going to pay for it. And, yep. um, and so that was my, that was my one thing. And then I was like, oh, now I'm going to Capitol Hill to right. advocate for the arts. Yeah. And what, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> what else can I what do? What else DC? can I do? Yes. Yeah. Courtney takes <laughs> DC. 
Courtney takes Courtney. Courtney. <laughs> exactly. um, uh, So, so you know, for me, this is. I mean, I've known you, Drew, for a, a, a while now, but this is a lovely way. I think for me, the other part of this is connecting with people we Absolutely. haven't met before. Yeah, we've known each other a good um, solid twelve hours. Solid, <laughs> solid, and it's a good foundation. Um, so, are there any other people or any other experiences that you had that? Uh, you feel like this is going to stick with me or resonate with me and, and, and or might make me think differently about some of the work that I'm doing? I think, um, well, I mean, there were a number of people that I met that I think will stick with me, mm-hmm. but just this, these experiences in general, we are, the Guild is a national organization, so sometimes we get a little stuck in our, in our office in New York. You know, mm-hmm. We think that we know what's going on out there. Um, and until you actually sit face to face and have a conversation with somebody, I talked to someone on the bus last night. He uh, teaches art at a high school um, just outside of Seattle, um, and he was telling me about this long fight he's been with his um, with his principal and some other administrators to take some of his art students on a trip to Europe, and now they're finally going to do it. And you know, he came to this place where he um, is going to make that happen. Um, and so I've had numerous other conversations that are similar, people just telling me their stories. Mm-hmm. And that's, it, it changes the way that I think about the field. It changes the way that I relate to it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, more and more, um, I'm glad now that I'm slightly in a position with, at, at the Guild where I can spend a little more time in the field um, talking to people. And, you know, I've seen a bunch of people that I've sent emails to who never have seen my face and never seen their face. And it really... Yeah. I don't know, it's just, it feels, it's, it's satisfying to have, you know, shake someone's hand and, and look them in the eye. Um, mm-hmm. And it uh, changes the, the dynamic of the work, for sure. Absolutely. I want to echo that. I mean, I think we're, you know, we're up on the Upper East Side and it's very easy to get locked into your office and what you're doing uh, with these, you know, we're at a school with our kids and our programs and this and that. And, and it's been lovely to meet these people. You know, I've been getting Jersey emails for a while. We've never met. And so it's nice to sort of, oh, you're that guy. I see you in my inbox. But um, but now, you know, and I meet you, Courtney, and then I'm thinking, okay, well, how can we get our children involved in what's happening at the New Victory? And like, what, you know, what partnerships have we not pursued as an organization? How can we expand beyond um, our little block radius uh, that where we have our, our own community? And how can we, you know, branch out through the city and wider and wider and wider and mm-hmm. what might that look like so it's exciting it's yeah. exciting to well, think about I, it I, I again I've been enjoying getting to know both of you and, and our whole team actually Jenny and, and Heather and um, the other the, we had a whole bunch of um, NYU and Columbia students who went to the Department of Education um, which I'm a little so jealous of I'm I kind of wanted to go to the Department of Education partly, I thought that's what I was going to do too until I realized I was team captain <laughs> and I was like um, someday <laughs> Um, but but I think that's another piece of it, right? There are all yeah. these this whole student delegation who are a lot are, of students here. Yeah, yeah, a lot of students yeah. here. And so I mean, I wish I wish that I was one of those students who, mm-hmm. or when I was a student, you know, was a part of something like this. Yeah. Uh, you know, regrets by gods. But um, but the, I think that that's valuable in and of itself as well. And and that's a thanks to the Americans for the Arts for yeah. organizing. So there's so much organization that they're yeah, doing. Yeah. It's, immense and you know, the materials um, they provided were yeah. really fantastic yeah. like that's my plug for Americans for the yeah, Arts conference no, they, they gave us this incredible brief brochure just full of information and people's voting records and all of these briefs about the issues that we're all interested in and it was impressive 
Okay, so I'm going to wind us down. I just want to talk a little bit about our experience within Nadler's office. Um, there were a lot of different groups there talking to mm-hmm. different um, you know, different um, staff members. We spoke with Melissa, as I said at the beginning, um, who's a legislative aide and has a four-year-old daughter, we now know, <laughs> who loves Love to paint. That. And um, they have uh, Nadler is in District <laughs> 10. And <laughs> the dark side is going through, she's going through her blue period. Uh, <laughs> Um, and uh, so Nadler is District 10, which is most of the Manhattan's uh, west side and parts of Times Square and Brooklyn, um, good deal, a good, good of section of Brooklyn um, along the coastline, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what, there was, a, well, first he came out and like yeah. took a walk, which and he's so cute. Yes. yes. <laughs> Um, and so that was a lovely little moment. And then, um, and then she was, you know, she was just as like sort of excited and, yeah. and engaged a, a, as well and, and was really listening to our stories. Yeah, we had a really willing audience. And yeah. Yeah. So she was, she was yeah. on board with what we were saying, totally which is delightful. Board, which is delightful. delightful. And not always the case. I mean, I, yeah. I personally have not had an experience so far with anybody who has been like, all right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they're all very receptive and um, have something to do with the arts in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm curious because New York's delegation only has, what is that, one? Just one re- Republican? Donovan? Yeah, something like that. I think. So all yeah. of our representatives are Democrat. So I'm, I don't know if they all, you know, are as um, uh, arts forward as the two uh, the, uh, representatives that we're meeting with. But but anyway, so so did that, so now you were in it, you yeah. were, you know, thinking it was this big thing. How did right. that experience actually go for each of you? I think, again, like I we was saying before, it, it was smoother and easier than I thought. And maybe that's because we did have a, a very receptive uh, audience. Uh, and Melissa, somebody who got what we were saying, was on board with it, very encouraging, clearly agreed <laughs> with yeah. our point of view. I, I don't know what it would be like if we had gone into a more combative situation, uh, if we were asking for something that our representative was, had a record against. I don't know mm-hmm. what that would be like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very pleasant. It was yeah. lovely. It went, it went yeah. quickly. I really, yeah. I really enjoyed hearing uh, just all the different stories from the people in the group um, because you kind of tell them in a different way when you're in that space. And um, Ginny, who we work down the hall, uh, never this is my first time meeting her. Was was here. Um, uh, Ginny is the ED of Art New York, mm-hmm. and a fantastic organization. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, uh, we see such incredible things that they do on our floor every day. So it's cool to hear her tell some of her stories and. Um, she's been in the film for such a long time, so she just has all these things in her back pocket, seemingly, where she can just, like, all the things that have been really meaningful for her. Um, so it, it's, it was interesting to hear those stories. Um, and, you know, I, I interned for, um, for Senator Barbara Boxer uh, when I was oh, younger. Oh, um, fantastic. So it was interesting to be on the other side, because I've been, you know, uh, fielded mm-hmm. a couple of meetings with um, some lowly folks that mm-hmm. didn't even make it to the, <laughs> the intern. But, um, <laughs> but it, was, it, was, it was cool to be on the other side. Um, yeah. And... Um, and to hear how the, the aide sort of responded to some of our thoughts. Yeah. It was also a very busy office. I mean, there were oh, lots of meetings going on at one yes. time, a lot of people going in and out. Mm-hmm. People walked through our meeting a few times to go to their <laughs> meeting. Yeah. Um, so you can see the magnitude of it, like mm-hmm. the, the amount of information that's coming at the people yeah. in, these, uh, in these offices. We were there for, what, 15, 20 minutes? Tops. And we were back-to-back with other meetings before and after, and mm-hmm. there were concurrent things going on. So mm-hmm. to get that time is really valuable, but it really makes you realize also that, oh, they've got a lot on their plate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing that we get the time at all, you know? And if you can get a second meeting, if you can start a 
email relationship with them, if you can actually like make uh, headway over the long term, you can see it it takes. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and so as team captain, I'm going to be the one to do the sort of initial email, and then I I I think that we should probably set up a time to actually follow up Mm because we didn't do that last year, and not that we we didn't seem to need to, and that was okay, but I think we could actually follow up. <clears throat> maybe in April or May as mm-hmm. they're getting to a place where they have to actually um, yeah. make some decisions. And the thing that I kept getting, sorry, I, I get confused by because they're still, like we're talking about FY19, but they haven't even finished FY18, like, like yeah, uh, appropriating it. Yeah. Yeah. So what? That's where I was like, I don't understand. That's why I was like, Janie, please yeah. do the next one. Because I really was like, years. I don't understand. Today we were really talking yeah. about both years, yes. which is unusual. We it felt unusual because we didn't that. do that last year. Yeah. I mean, it, it was still the same kind of thing where the FY17 hadn't been completed, but it, we weren't talking about it. And yeah. so that really threw me a little as bit. As you know, the government is in chaos. The, the government I mean, is as, in chaos as, as we speak. I as mean, we speak, today, we're in the middle so, of the chaos. so just to put it in context, this time last year when we were here, um, uh, it was a few months into uh, the, the Trump administration and he had come down to talk specifically the day that I came, I was here, I saw his motorcade come down so he could talk to the Freedom Caucus about the health care bill that ultimately failed. Um, but the uh, 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 today, some fun things have happened today. today. Um, Rex Tillerson is out and um, the director of CIA, Mike Pomp- Pompeo, Pompeo mm-hmm. is in and um, okay. And Tillerson didn't even know about it. Oh, okay. What? Cool. What's yeah. happening? Right. Um, so that... That's happening over there, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, down the road. Meanwhile, here. So We're these, here we these are. folks are busy, and we had <laughs> an lot, awesome meeting. A lot of competing I mean, interests. A lot yes. of competing interests. Very. Mm-hmm. And we, it was us, simultaneous, I think, with a urology association. Yes. A women's health organization. Yes, they were talking about Medicare. Um, I, when I went to check in, they were talking about uh, Medicare, Medicaid. That's all I caught. Yeah. yeah. Uh, balancing those so, things, it would be... It's yeah. a lot to filter through. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to filter through. Yeah. How do you break through the noise? I guess yeah. it's a, it's a yeah. difficult so, question. That's why you know you follow up, right? Yep. And and again, we had a receptive audience. So I look forward to talking to Maloney and Max. Max is her mm-hmm. legislative aide that we'll be speaking with. And mm-hmm. um, uh, thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't know if I want to ask another question. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> Uh, but no, seriously, it, it has been a really... Can pleasure. I ask you a question? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes, question, please. What's your, been your experience now here mm-hmm. in terms of your feeling about it? It's your second year out. Mm-hmm. Do you feel more confident this second time around? Mm-hmm. Or well, same exhilaration as you felt last year? I definitely year? have the same exhilaration. I, I really enjoy this. One of the things that uh, I do as director... Uh, is I have to talk to city council members for mm-hmm. funding. I'm sure I'm sure people do. Yeah. Other people do as well. And um, a lot of the skill sets that I learned from being here last year, I've been able to apply awesome. in the, those meetings and in other meetings with funders. And and so that telling mm-hmm. the story and giving some data has really been um, quite a, a great skill set that I've, I'm starting to build. Um, additionally, just being able to be as succinct as possible in any given moment, which I'm terrible at. I really <laughs> just sort of ramble on until I find what I'm trying to say. And so I'm trying to be more We're succinct. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a process-oriented person, so can I, I should say, can I, I show mean? you what I mean? So um, the things that I, the skills that I do use, though, is reading a room. So mm-hmm. being able to read, like, okay, Melissa's, in, I was the last person to tell my story 
and I wasn't originally remember I was like oh I'll just I probably won't say it but I felt like she was so engaged I was like all right, all right I'm gonna I'm gonna go down the line and then pass it back to Jeannie but that wasn't necessarily on our plane uh, uh on our agenda but uh um it worked I think and um uh I didn't do all the things that I did like last year I was by the by the, the schedule and knowing that I had had such a I'd been here for a while in DC I mean um and sort of was tired so I sort of made very specific choices about where I was going to be and where I wasn't going to be um but that's I think the only difference really and but it's been for me the conversations and being able to actually capture them in this way has been actually quite val- even more valuable for me because um uh I now understand what this is. Last yeah. year, it was just me sort of in the hotel room being like, guys, what's happening? Oh my God, this is, you know, and now to be able to say, oh, like, oh, I'd like to talk. So I talked to Stephen Butler yesterday okay. after our, our, our um, so Stephen Butler is the, the state team captain right. and um, his perspective having come here six or seven times, but, uh, you know, at different junctures and the last time he had really been highly engaged as he talked about was when, um, we were in a similar place about 25 years ago in 1993 where they were, you know, yeah, trying slashing, to access slashing, the slashing, yeah. slashing. So uh, that was a great history lesson for me to hear. You know, you see it on a chart, but it's different to hear somebody talking about it who yeah. was actually living through it. Um, so the conversations have been even yeah. more rich for me, I think. Yeah, we'll be like that too. Yeah. Like 10 years from now, we'll be like, we remember, remember, remember when? 2018? <laughs> it was the day Tillerson was fired. Remember? Oh, yes. We'll have a, we'll have remember. We'll have a new accent. We'll have a slight accent. <laughs> <laughs> That's the accent I use for all future and past things. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Naturally. 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 Well, this has been delightful. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank and you so well, much. we're going to keep in touch, I know. Thank you for listening to Episode 12, Act 2 of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. Courtney goes to Washington. Advocacy equals persistence. Join us next time for Sean Ginwright. Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the creative content manager. John L. Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org. Follow us on Twitter at TA underscore artistry. And now on Instagram at Teaching Artistry with CJB. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on iTunes, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now.